0: Welcome to
1: Sport Faith Life with Brian Bolt and Chad Carlson, two guys who came together for one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. They are sports scholars, they're coaches, and they're competitive athletes, or at least they were. And together, they've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith.
0: Today on Sport Faith Life, we welcome Bailey Moody, Bailey played many sports as a kid, but at age 10, she was diagnosed with stage 4 osteosarcoma, which required multiple treatments to save her life, including amputation of her right leg. As hard as it was, Bailey drew on her faith and her athletic drive to pursue wheelchair basketball. Since that time, Bailey has played for the University of Alabama and earned a bronze medal in the Paralympics and she's become a prominent player on the US Women's Wheelchair National Team. Bailey has a compelling story to tell, so let's get started.
2: Well, we're so excited to have Bailey Moody with us today. Bailey, so glad to have you on the show. Let's start out learning a little bit about you. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about sport in your life?
1: Uh, yeah, so sport has been a huge part of my life forever, for before I can remember. I've always played sports. My parents played sports in college. It's just kind of been something that has always been around and always, always been something that I love to do. I've basically played every sport under the sun uh, since probably the age of five. So it's definitely, definitely a huge part of my
2: life. Well, you're in good company then. We played a lot of sports too. (laughs) Glad to hear that. I'm sure we'll talk a lot more as we go along about your sports. Tell us a little bit about faith in your life
1: uh yeah also a huge part of my life um basically the foundation of, of why I do what I do and and why I am the way that I am but I grew up in in a a household that loved the lord greatly and kind of raised me in a way to also seek him um and love him and and just look to to love others and and um, to worship, worship and, and go to church, and, and be in this environment, um, in this community. It's 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 a huge part of my life. It's a huge part of the way that I live my life as well, um, and the way that I seek to to just be towards others.
0: Well said, uh, Bailey. Thanks for giving us a little uh, intro into your life. And I'm wondering if there is something about you that would help our listeners get to know you. Something, maybe a hobby, something uh, unusual. Uh, I'll leave the door open for you to to choose something.
1: Um, I think something notable about me is I, I give off very jock vibes all about sports but i was a theater kid as well i enjoyed doing plays and things and musicals in middle and high school i kind of got started getting into it in middle school and it was kind of something that i loved so much and it was so hard for me to give up once basketball kind of took over but yeah i love music i love musicals i love acting i love all of, of that kind of side of things as well
0: well wow, we were not expecting that that's fantastic I love that can you uh give us a maybe a, a feature role that you played?
1: my first role I ever played which my parents say is my the favorite their most favorite role they've seen me play was I was Lucy in a Charlie Brown Christmas oh. in seventh grade and it was <laughs> just so fun it was so much fun
0: you know Lucy's got a lot of attitude. You know, kind of a a bad girl, right? Always pulling that uh, football out of Char- away from Charlie Brown. I don't know. That's that tells me a little something about you, Bailey.
1: <laughs> uh, it's so funny because people were very surprised that 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 was the role that I got because it's very opposite for my personality. Aha. But, Aha.
0: Maybe a yeah. little hidden personality. That's great. Well, maybe I...
1: maybe it's it's there deep down. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, it's been uh, great to get to know you a little bit so far and I I guess to sort of launch into the content of this uh, conversation, I wonder if you could, you have a a really unique personal story uh, built around um, your health, right? And I wonder if you could begin by just giving uh, the audience uh, the background there and a little bit of the process so that we can get to know you.
1: Of course. So I, I grew up playing sports. As I said, I basketball is kind of my love uh, from the beginning. Just being active, also, and and being outside and, and doing all of the things that kind of an active kid would want to do. I I was down for it and I was ready for it. I uh, at the time that I was diagnosed with cancer, I. Was playing all kinds of sports i was doing softball playing doubleheader softball matches on the weekends i was i was playing tennis i was playing basketball i was doing all these things and i was starting to have really 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 severe knee pain um i was 10 at the time we really thought that it was just some sort of growing pains or sports injury or something like that because i was super active um about six weeks of that pain persisted and we went in for some tests that then resulted in a diagnosis of osteosarcoma, which is a rare form of bone cancer commonly found in children. Uh, It was in my knee. It was something that warranted treatment right away. I started chemotherapy almost immediately. I think I was diagnosed on a Friday and I had started chemo that next Monday. So everything moved really quickly. Um, But in that time, I, I suddenly, as a as a ten year old, a fourth grader, was thrown into this world of doctors and medicine and and treatment and all these things that were just not something that a normal a normal kid would go to go through. And all I wanted to do was be playing basketball and be at school with my friends and be doing all these things that I suddenly was thrust out of and taken from. Um, and just kind of the way that that treatment sort of looked was I did ten weeks of chemotherapy where I lost all of my hair, was sick all the time. I was in the hospital for basically three weeks out of every month. Um, and then there was a time where I had to have a sur- surgical removal of the tumor, and then I would do 20 more weeks of chemo um, because they had to take the cancer out of my body. They couldn't leave it in, especially with how aggressively they treat um, osteosarcoma in children. So I ended up opting for a form of amputation called a rotationplasty because that was what would kind of get me back to the most active lifestyle that I could have. And it wasn't just about playing sports in middle school and high school and maybe college. It was more about kind of having that ability to go hiking and, and, and kind of go on walks and walk on the beach and swim in the ocean and do all of these things that would require kind of an active lifestyle that I was used to living beforehand. Um, so that's kind of, the journey through cancer how i kind of ended up as an APT, and and the road through that in order to get back to sports
2: so you shared quite a bit bailey about um the rationale for why you decided to do what you did that it wasn't just about being able to play sports in the future it was about you know being able to to live as functionally as possible being able to do the things that make everyday life worth living but you also mentioned sport, meaning that that was you know a part of it, and I imagine that your faith was a part of it as well. Um, I, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the role of of faith through some of those processes of uh, being spending so much time with doctors in hospitals, missing so much school, being pulled away from the things you loved. What does that do to a, a fourth grade uh, kid, and what does that do to the family, and and how do how do sports and how do how do faith play a role in sort of navigating through some of those acute times.
1: Yeah, so I I was raised in a in a home environment where I knew all of the right answers. And I I went to a private Christian school. I just I knew Bible verses and I knew the answers to questions and I knew all of those things, but I really didn't have a personal relationship with Christ as a 10-year-old. Um and I think kind of in being thrust into the amount of suffering and and the kind of realization of, of just the brokenness of this world and how life isn't easy and life isn't perfect and kind of just walking through that that cancer journey and kind of only really being able to rely on the Lord for his his sovereignty and his control and his his kind of just the trusting in him and 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 not being able to kind of control situations on my own and not being able to do anything in my own power um was something that kind of really opened my eyes to to who Jesus is and and kind of who he is in my life and and what he was trying to show me um there was kind of a very big circumstance in my uh in my during my treatment where I was getting towards the end of treatment. I was it, kind of, we, were, we could see the end and I was going in for one of my last chemos um, that was outpatient and I was coming out and I started to have all of these kind of stroke-like symptoms. I was unable to speak. I couldn't communicate with my mom very well. And I so I wasn't able to like tell her that I felt fine, but I wasn't like everything was malfunctioning and I couldn't talk to her and I couldn't form words. And they rushed me back inside, and I remember this overwhelming just wave of peace over me that is unexplainable and something that I've never felt since then, um, something that kind of just gave me such a sense of calm, but I couldn't tell my mom that I was going to be okay or that I felt fine or whatever happened just happens happens. Um, but I remember being able to talk to the Lord and really just, I remember him kind of just, I this feeling of, if, if I died right now, that things would be okay. And if I didn't, then, then he must have some sort of great big plan for me because th- this is just like, being able to put everything into his hands and trust in that sovereignty and grace um, over my own control is something that's very freeing and something that my cancer journey was, what what was truly revealed to me during my cancer journey, if that makes any
0: sense. It, makes a lot of sense. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us. I mean, that's a very personal, in, intimate kind of detail and story, but it really resonates. Uh, those glimpses, those moments in life that we look back on. And like you said, I, I haven't felt that exact thing again. Uh, I've, I, and in a moment, God gave you a certain gift of peace that you'll carry with you, uh, and it really uh, probably changed the trajectory of your life and your uh, circumstance and, and even your attitude as you walked through this really difficult thing. So I, I really appreciate you sharing it. And I think it um, it probably resonates with, with others, with other listeners as well. And I wonder if I can go back that your story is not the same, but I I have had a or an amputee in my life uh, recently a friend of mine who had a very different story lost um, uh, had to have a leg rem- uh, amputated at a, around age 40. so entirely different uh, experience uh, but could never quite get back to that sense of uh, active life before. And so I'm wondering how you processed that uh, maybe I'm uh, it's a difficult question, but how did you process, uh like these substitutes in life that he found just never met the sort of level that he was hoping for Uh, he was an athlete he was very active and then all of a sudden that was taken away and and the new uh forms of that that were available to him at least in in his circumstance just never met the same criteria how how did you walk through that process
1: yeah i think I think there's a huge, there's an adjustment period between grieving your old life and then kind of turning and looking towards what's coming next and what is your present situation now. And it does take a lot. I did a lot of, of kind of trauma therapy, working through counseling sort of things to kind of say goodbye to that old part of my life and kind of move into that new part of my life, most mainly just the life before amputation and life after amputation, life before cancer, life after cancer. That is very different and does take a lot of adjustment. And I'm not, it's not to say, I think a lot of people look at my life now and say, oh, she looks like she's got everything together, everything's perfect, and that's absolutely not the case. And that doesn't mean that there's not daily battles and struggles and grieving and things to walk through. Um, but there are a lot of blessings that can come through really, really, really hard circumstances that even though I lost my leg, the level of Team USA basketball that I'm getting to play at now because I'm an APT and because I'm able to then play in a wheelchair and play in the Paralympics and do all these things that I couldn't have done with two legs, um, has kind of been something that has pushed me forwards and in, in remembering that this is so much better of a situation that could have come about if I hadn't gone through the immense suffering that I had Um, and the opportunities to travel the world and to to play the sport of wheelchair basketball and to get to interact with my teammates and get to play at the University of Alabama and do all of these things that I really wouldn't have been able to do with two legs and so that's something that has been incredibly eye-opening to me, but also kind of it, it's, an, it's an incredible platform and opportunity, but also a tremendous responsibility of kind of those opportunities and those situations that I now have post-cancer. That That's kind of how I have sort of worked through the tremendous suffering to see that there is glimpses of of something really great and some really great opportunities that the Lord has put into my life because of it.
2: I feel like I need to leave a moment here to let that that resonate mm. with everyone. Such a, a wonderful testimony. I uh, appreciate you saying that, Bailey. So we, we've sort of explored uh, the, some of the difficulties that that you've experienced. I want us to spend some time now focusing on some of the highlights, some of the things that that you've been able to accomplish and are in the midst of accomplishing. Can you, as we begin to, to talk about um your your burgeoning career as a, a wheelchair basketball player I, I wonder if you can give us a little bit of like a your, your resume I mean share share with us everything what you've done here we see you wearing a Team USA t-shirt right now and I know that 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 indicates that you're playing on a, a USA national team that's that's leaving to go to play in the world soon you have some national championships give us a sense for for some of your basketball resume here
1: um, yeah, so I I started playing wheelchair basketball, the sport of wheelchair basketball, on a high school team, um, a middle high school team. So I started in seventh grade. When I was about a sophomore in high school, I got the opportunity to go to a national team development camp, which then ended up leading into the invitation to go to a senior national team selection camp that would then select the team for the world championships, which were in 2018. Um, I ended up making my my first national team in 2018, and kind of that's when the snowball started kind of going. Um, I, I I was at the world championships in 2018. We were at the Parapan American Games in 2019 where we won silver. Then there was COVID year where we were supposed to go to Tokyo, uh Paralympics in 2020 which ended up being in 2021 um 2021 we went to the Tokyo Paralympics um and won bronze there uh after that 2022 there was another there was another contest where we got silver and so on and so forth um I've been playing national team basketball since looking towards trying to go to the Paris 2024 Paralympic Games um so as far as my Team USA career Um, things have just kind of erupted very quickly and kind of started going very quickly and out of out of nowhere at the time. Um, As far as a college career goes, I am a student at the University of Alabama. I play wheelchair basketball for the women's team there where we've won three national championships. Uh, I'm a junior right now looking forward to uh, several more years of eligibility just because of COVID and different things that are going to allow me to play a little bit longer. Um, But basketball just in general as far as as where my career is now i'm very thankful for it um but i also see see a lot of very bright things in the future as well um to look forward to
0: well that's a fascinating run and it's only part way through uh <laughs> you've been all over the world and you're headed all over the world to do lots of fun things but this is a sport podcast and we're gonna ask we're gonna get in the weeds here uh, I got I have some questions um, I've Chad and I are basketball players we both played college basketball um, we think we know basketball we don't know wheelchair basketball so I, I want to know let's get under the hood in wheelchair basketball what is the strategy uh, I mean we can see what's happening but I there's so much more that's where, that's not happening and it's highly competitive what's the edge in wheelchair wheelchair basketball how are you how are you practicing uh, what makes you as a team in Alabama that much better than everybody else um, and what's happening at the, the international level that uh, maybe compares
1: so I think something important for people to know about wheelchair basketball before I even start talking about anything about how it's played or how I train is that Because it's a Paralympic sport, we play based on, we are basically classified by our disability. So every player, because we all have different levels of of function and ability and ABT is not necessarily going to have the same level of function as somebody that has spinal cord injury. Um, We're given a sort of point value. So it ranges from 1.0 to 4.5. Um, the higher your point value, the more kind of function that you have. And then after each individual player is assigned their level of point value, when you put a lineup on the court, you're only allowed to have 14 points on the court at a time. So that adds a whole level of strategy and kind of not just putting the five best players on the floor, but kind of crafting a lineup and then being able to switch lineups out that isn't exactly present in, in standup basketball um so that's i think the biggest distinguisher between kind of wheelchair basketball versus stand-up basketball as far as training goes we do a lot of upper body training i do a lot of of i guess the equivalent of footwork and, and agility exercises but in my chair so i do what i call chair skills a lot um when i'm at home it's all by myself in the gym but weightlifting uh the same mostly upper body I do a little bit of lower body just because I function my lower body and I can use it a little bit to maneuver and manipulate my chair. Um, and then as a team, we, at Alabama, we train, uh, 25, 20, 20, 25 hours a week, plus whatever you would do on your own. And, and it's, it's the same as any other sports team would be training and I, and as any other athlete would be training um, more specific to their sport, but it's a, it's a full-time job.
2: So tell me how, how this, uh, how how your team functions within sort of the broader university of Alabama athletic department. I guess I, I've, I've seen your Instagram page. I've watched some of the videos that, that you've shared there of some of the training that's going on. There's strength and conditioning coaches there. You're using the top top level facilities. That's all great. Um, I, I'm curious too about um, the the ways in which your your game uh, pre-amputation sort of um, translated from from playing stand-up basketball to playing wheelchair basketball um, and and what you saw as sort of a skill set that has led you to to become the player that you are today.
1: Yeah, so I think, I think my background in stand-up basketball, just as a child playing kind of rec league and then playing for my middle school team, was super helpful in then transitioning. I think the biggest thing for me when I transitioned into a wheelchair was – I don't use a wheelchair every day for my daily life. So then I had to kind of learn how to maneuver it and work it and figure out how to push and dribble and shoot all at the same time while you're on wheels. It's kind of, that's the hardest part of, of you can control your feet to stop when you're playing, standing up, but when you're in a chair, you can't always get the chair to stop at the right time or the way you want it to. So that was the biggest, the biggest shift for me. Um, but as far as, as, the level of training as the drivenness of, of wanting to get better. It's all, it's all the same there. It still all feels the same.
0: So I'm curious, Bailey, uh, I wonder if you could talk about, uh, you've gotten an opportunity to interact with a bunch of people with uh, teammates at uh, Alabama and then teammates and coaches on a national and international stage opponents and so on. and your your faith is something that you carry with you in, in all circumstances. How um, has that um, how public has that been um, and how um, have you found sort of encouragement and support and an opportunity through these new connections?
1: I think the biggest thing for me is for my teammates. my teammates all know that I go to church. my teammates know where I stand. my teammates know all of that. I think the biggest thing is for my teammates to understand how much I love them and care about them and how invested I am in, in their success. And as they're not even just as a teammate, but as their friend and as somebody that's in their life and how much I care about them. Um, so that's something I think it, it was a different dynamic being kind of a, a young, I started on the national team when I was 16. That was my first year. And we had players that were, 38 at the time so it's it's a it, it there's an age difference too to where you don't know where you stand and in, in, in kind of your relationships and how things are so it's a lot of relationship building and it's a lot of just loving people and understanding what's going on in their life and, and showing that you care about that and it's the same thing in Alabama and now I'm an upperclassman so there's a lot of kind of how can I shepherd these these younger players and these newer players to the sport and the experience that I've had, and how can I love on them and kind of be the best teammate, but also the best friend and just a steady person in their life? So that's something that I focus on a lot.
2: What would what would a, a career post college look like for you? What, I guess the question is about your your future goals uh, related to wheelchair basketball. So let's say you stay around Alabama for two more years and win two more national titles, giving you five or, or whatever else for, you know, when you graduate, I guess, uh, I, I I think there, there's a good chance that you would win more, right? You guys are, are sort of blowing competition out of the water. You you get to Paris in 2024, you win gold, that's the only color Olympic, I mean, medal that you're, you're waiting for, right? Or international medal color? That's
1: that's the color that we all yeah. want. So, yeah. So that's, that's that's the one that, that matters <laughs> the most.
2: So that's that's the goal there. What is, you know, what do you what what, what are your goals in terms of uh, uh, your career in wheelchair basketball here?
1: There's a lot of opportunities. So first of all, there's the opportunity to go play professional ball overseas. We'll see where that goes. It's gonna have to be a decision once I know kind of where I am in in, in my life at the end of of college because I still have several years of college left because of the years of eligibility that I have. There's plans to get my master's. um, And so kind of looking at that down the road, but uh, as far as if I were to go overseas at some point, but there's also a lot of, you can continue to play national team ball basically until you, your body is out or you're done or you get cut from a team or whatever. So there's no age cap. So I could keep playing as, as long as my life circumstances and my body allow it, um, which is the plan. Um, But as far as just the the platform that has now been created and that I'm working really hard to create now, there's a lot of opportunities to do speaking engagements and kind of travel and, and go to events and fundraisers and be sponsored by companies and do all these things that because of the platform that I have as an athlete and because of the platform that I have as an adapted athlete and a Paralympic athlete, um, those opportunities are then open. So I'm really interested in in doing kind of public speaking opportunities, maybe at some point, someday, maybe far down the road, like writing a book or doing something like that. But there's a lot of ways that I want to be able to use my story to to kind of get it out there to other people. Um so, you know, basketball, even if I'm not playing basketball my whole life, it is, it can be a lifetime commitment and career.
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, tell us about the, the academic programs that you're a part of right now and how some of that might be, might be working or, or helping you towards some of those goals. I mean, it sounds like the world is open to you at this point in time, right? So, um, uh, college athletes since recently have been allowed to, to benefit uh, from their name, image, and likeness and, and contracts and deals there. So there are opportunities to uh, to sort of build one's brand even as a college athlete. And then you're also on the international stage and so uh, playing uh, on behalf of the red, white, and blue which offers even more opportunities. So the things that you you just mentioned as being possible uh, um, you know, career paths or at least projects that you could, you could have in, in the future seem, seem very viable. Um, what's the, what's the educational programming like right now that'll, that'll, that'll help get you there.
1: So I currently am a psychology major and I'm minoring in general business, but my goal with sports psychology is to eventually do some sort of, uh, my goal with psychology is to eventually do some sports psychology work um i'd love to i feel very passionate about kind of the the mental side of of your game as well as the physical side because i think it's very important in getting to a higher level is to have a strong mental performance and the ability to kind of consistently perform no matter what's happening in outside life no matter be able to kind of be the strongest athlete that you can be so I'm very interested in, in sports psychology and kind of mental performance coaching and what that looks like. So that also is a possibility down the road. I'm looking to get my master's in clinical counseling at, at Alabama in the next, uh, I'll be going into my senior year. So that would be the year after that. But I just, I am fascinated with the field of psychology and with the human brain and with relationships with people and just kind of what that looks like on a sports level.
2: Well, as a super thoughtful 21-year-old, I imagine that you're well on your way to being able to reach any of those goals that you're interested in. Um, as a thoughtful 21-year-old, I wonder if you can reflect on some of the the coaches and mentors that you've had in your life, and some of the some of the wisdom that they've imparted to you, or some of the things that that uh, that they've modeled to that have helped you down down your path.
1: Yeah, I. I really, I owe a lot to my parents and the way that they they raised me and the way that they kind of have always pushed me to know what I want and to go after what I want, but also not be afraid to kind of craft that myself and kind of be open to the possibility of, of something new and also open to kind of dreaming big and understanding what that looks like. And also just kind of the... Going for it and not being afraid to fail, sort of mentality. Um, my parents are. My parents are both athletes. They they know what it's like. They've done the training. My mom played soccer at Auburn. She was on the inaugural women's soccer team at Auburn. And my dad, he played baseball at the Citadel. So so they know what the training looks like. They know what that life looks like. Um, and so they've been kind of my biggest supporters throughout the whole thing. And and they follow me places to watch me play. And they just, my mom being an Auburn grad, she, she wears the, the, the roll type wheelchair basketball t-shirts with pride, almost she's there, she's getting there. And she's just, it's, it's just, they are, they are my, my rock and the people that I go to for advice, the people that I, they're my confidants and they, they have helped kind of just get me where I am and will continue to be people that, that help push me towards what's in the future.
2: Oh, I, I love that answer. I love it. I love it. I love it. Bailey, how can we follow you? How can we learn more about what you have going on?
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm on Instagram at, at the real Bailey Moody. That's kind of my main platform of information and social media um, that you can follow me there and kind of you can also follow just Alabama Adapted Athletics on Instagram, Bama Adapted, or you can well, uh, follow the NWBA for all of the Team USA stuff as well. But it, it'll be it'll be on my social media that you
2: can follow. Well, we certainly will do that. We wish you the best of luck as you work towards a World Championship in Dubai. A hopeful World Championship. Uh, Bailey, thanks so much for being with us today and sharing your story.
1: Thank you so much for having
0: me. It was a good time.
2: Thanks for tuning in to the Sport Faith Life podcast, a conversation at the intersection of sport and faith. Read the corresponding blog post and learn more about us at sportfaithlife.com. Listen to more of our podcasts on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with everything sport, faith, and life.